0: We're in our third week on a teaching called grace and peace. Everybody just say that grace, grace. and peace. I'm going to go ahead and read uh, to you. This is one of many settings that we find this in scripture. Uh, these accounts of grace and peace In first Corinthians chapter one, verse three, it says grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you read that with me this morning? Grace to you and peace from God, our father and, And the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're going to understand this all, we kind of have to break it down a little bit as is the case with most things. We've we've got to get a good grip on grace so that we can fully understand what peace is and what peace does. And so grace is by its probably simplest definition is it's unmerited favor. It's free. It's unearned. We don't deserve it, but it's favor and goodness that has come from God to us. And I want to emphasize this part. We don't deserve it. And we didn't earn it. We can't earn it. We can't pay for this. And we have received grace. And as we'll see later on in the message, grace upon grace. And one of the definitions from last week, and this just strikes me, grace is the absolutely, listen carefully to this, the absolutely free expression of the loving kindness of God to men. Hear this part. Finding its only motive, finding its only motive in the bounty and benevolence of the giver. And what it's saying is it's God being so good to us. And the only motive, the only thing making God be good to us is, is the bounty and the benevolence of the giver that we, we actually don't, we didn't do anything to trigger this. It's just God's goodness toward us. Are y'all here? I I really would like to say it this way. Grace is is not a thing. It's not a substance. Grace, perhaps better understood, is this. It's God's attitude toward us. That us just being undeserving still. He is so good to us. Grace is God's predisposition. It's It's his bend. It's his mindset. It's his attitude toward us that God would be so gracious to us. And that's hard to understand. That's just hard to understand. Maybe this will help you a little bit. Um, Dennis the Menace. How many of you, <laughs> and maybe can relate to? Well, cartoon Dennis the Menace and his his best buddy Joey are leaving Mr. Wilson's house, and Mrs. Wilson has baked cookies and has given them cookies, and they each have like handfuls of cookies and they're eating them. And Joey stops and goes, what did we do to deserve all this? And Dennis says, Joey, he said, Mrs. Wilson didn't give us cookies because we're good. She gave us cookies because she's good. And see, that's on a bigger scale. That's God for us. It's not, you know, we look around the blessing in our life, the favor in our life, the goodness of God in our life. And we're like, what did we do to deserve this? Nothing. It was not our goodness at all. It was the goodness and it was the kindness of God that he's poured that out on us. Hey, if you with me so far? Say amen. amen. We realize that we are the object. You are the object of God's grace. You are the recipient of God's peace. And they go together. And because of that, and I, and I failed to read this earlier, that part of the definition out of the Greek for the, the Greek New Testament word for, for grace Includes this cause to rejoice. So I want you to think about that with God's attitude that he would think he would feel he would act the way he does toward us. That should cause you to rejoice. So you are not only the object of God's grace, you're the recipient of God's peace. And you have every reason to rejoice. No matter what's going on in the world. Say this with me this morning. I am am the object object of of God's grace. I am The recipient recipient. of God's peace. peace. I have every reason reason. to rejoice. rejoice. And I want you to think about that. Now, grace and peace. uh, And as I've said, these are two of the major themes of the New Testament. And it's notable that they're coupled together. This is the most powerful, most prevalent also. This is the greatest coupling in the New Testament. 36 times grace and peace, the two dominant themes in the New Testament are put together together. And I think that we need to pay attention to this. It's not just a New Testament idea, though. We, we do find it in the Old Testament. In particular, one verse in Numbers 6, 26, it says, May the Lord show you his favor. What's another word for favor? Grace. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. And whenever we talk about grace and peace, that speaks to, that points to, and I want to remind you of this, the entire range of divine help and blessing. So when we're talking about grace and we're talking about peace, that speaks to the entire range of God's help and God's blessing for you. Are y'all hearing me? I feel like I'm reading the phone book for some of y'all. Did you hear what I just said? That there is a grace that you're an object of, a peace that you're the recipient of, A result of that, you have every reason to rejoice because it, it, this includes the entire range of divine help, divine help and blessing for your life. That's why we've got every reason to rejoice. Amen. All right. Now, peace is the fruit of grace. Peace is the fruit of grace. You're not going to have peace apart from grace. It's cause and effect. It's, it's, it's tree and fruit. And peace is the fruit of grace. And it points us to the cross. Because grace, let's do it this way. Grace is the power of the cross. Grace is the power of the cross. Peace is the result of the cross. And you're not going to have grace apart from peace. Get this now. What took Jesus to the cross was the grace of God. And the result of that was the peace of God and the peace that we have. Now follow this. In Colossians 1.20, it says, And by him, Jesus, to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made, follow this, having made Peace, having made peace, say made peace, having made peace through the blood, notice this, of his cross, having made peace. Nobody took his life, he laid down his life. This was a divine plan from before the foundations of the world. Jesus said, That's my cross, my cross. And the end result that he wanted of that cross was he made peace. There was no peace. And he made peace through the blood of his cross. The blood here, the grace rather, is the only explanation then for the cross. How do you explain the cross? How do you explain what rational reason could there be that God would send his own son to die in our place? We weren't paying attention to God. We were sinful. We were undone. Scripture says we were actually enemies of God. And what did he do? He sent his, how do you explain this? He sent his own son to die a hideous death on a horrible cross so that we undeserving folks could be liberated from captivity, from the devil, from sin, from self, from, from death. How do you explain that? The only way that you can explain it is that's God's attitude toward us. That's God's grace toward us. You know, if somebody would say, why why did he do that? Here's here's our answer. That's the way he is. That's the way he is. He is the God of all grace. And understand this, that peace, peace is the fruit of grace. Grace is the power and purpose behind the cross. Peace then is the result and the fruit of the cross. The blood, the blood of his cross, the blood is the price for this peace. That's why you know we've got a big cross out front and a big cross out back, and there's a cross in the middle of that stained glass. And and every time you see a cross, I pray that you'll just realize grace and peace, grace and peace. It was the grace of God that took him to the cross. It's the peace that I'm reconciled to God that I have. That I have the peace of God in my life. Hey, are y'all, are y'all even here today thinking about Christmas stockings or something? Here, get with me on this, but it's grace. And it's peace that he has brought to us. And the, and the blood was the price for the peace. But I want you to get this too. I'll just touch on it. It's also the pledge. It's the pledge that peace would be there for us. There's no peace apart from grace. Yet it is possible in one sense that you could have grace and not have peace. So let's look at a couple levels of grace here this morning. First of all, let's just get this up here and we're going to create a couple of columns here. The first kind of grace that we want to look at is called common grace. Everybody say common grace. And here's the thing about common grace. It does not have peace with it. It will give you a sense of things are better. But here's the thing. Common grace is from God to all to anybody to everybody no requirements okay no requirements it's just a love gift a love gift from god to all mankind let me read you one scripture on this in matthew 5 verse 45 it says for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the just uh, and on the good and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust listen to it in the message bible this is what god does he gives his best the sun to warm and the rain to nourish To everyone, regardless the good and bad, the nice and the nasty. And he does it for all. And this is just the common grace of God. But there's no peace with it because this does not involve the prince of peace. Further, peace is a kingdom commodity. In in Romans 14, 17, it says that the kingdom is, help me, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so this does not give entrance into the kingdom. This does not bring you to the prince of peace. This is just God's love gift to all mankind and it affects our basic needs. As a matter of fact, in Romans 3, 17, it says they don't know where to find peace. In in Isaiah 59, verse 8, it says they don't know where to find peace or what makes it. Or what it means to be just and good. They've mapped out crooked roads and no one who follows them knows a moment's peace. Isaiah 57 says this, but the wicked, the wicked are like the troubled sea, the restless sea, when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up or churns up mire and dirt. There is no peace says my God for the wicked. Okay. So there's no peace says my God for the wicked. Let's do a little word study here real quick. Okay. Wicked right there. When we think of wicked, we're thinking mean and nasty and evil, right? And really all it means is this wrong. It just means wrong. There's no peace for the wrong, for those who are wrong. Well, help me on that because we live in a a day in a culture where nothing's true and nothing's wrong and nothing's whatever. And you know what? That does not work. That does not work. I mean, you don't have to go very far to start to apply principles to things. There are absolutes and there are things that are absolutely true and right. And there are things that are absolutely wrong and dangerous. Are you following me? But he says, there's no peace. There's no peace for the wicked. So he's saying there's no peace to those that are wrong. Well, let's qualify wrong. Well, in order to do that, what's right? God's right. Do you hear me? God's right. God is true. God is right. And so it's been said this way. There's two ways to do anything. God's way and any other way. way. So you're either going to do it right or you're going to do it wrong. And if you do it God's way, you're going to get peace. Are you following? If you do it God's way, you're going to get peace. you do it any other way, there's not going to be peace that goes with it. Psalm 29, 11, it says, the Lord will bless his people with peace. It's a family thing. It's a covenant thing. It's a kingdom thing. And so God will give his grace a common grace, but there's not a peace that comes from God involved in that. In John 14, verse 27, in the new living, it says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And watch this. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. You see that? The peace that God gives is a, is a gift that the world cannot give. Church, look at, look at me. Listen to me. You're not going to find peace in the world. You're not going to gain peace from activities, people, stuff, what, what, possessions, whatever. You're not going to get. The peace that we're after, the peace that we need is the peace that he gives. The world cannot give such a gift. So don't be troubled or be Afraid, it, it it pans out like this. I saw a bumper sticker when I was in like sixth grade or or something that said this, and I've never forgot it. If you know God, you'll know peace. But if there's no God, there's no. Y'all are brilliant. So peace comes from God. Peace is the, is the fruit of grace. And you're not going to get it apart from God. No God, you'll know peace. No God, no peace. The world only has substitutes for peace. And we only have peace because we had a substitute. Common grace has no peace, but that lack of peace, though, will sometimes draw and drive a person toward God who is the source of grace and peace. I want to look at a second type of, of grace and it's called saving, saving grace. Everybody say saving grace. Saving grace. Y'all need to perk up. What do I need to do? Throw some candy out to you. Okay. Uh, take the whole thing. We'll. Sorry, dude. Here, there you go. Look out. Sorry, lady. You're over there. I love y'all too. There we go. Okay, good deal. And don't leave paper on the floor, all right? All right. Y'all with me now? Okay. All right. Good deal. It's amazing what I have to do for you folks. Saving grace. Saving grace gives us peace. This is huge. Peace with God. Peace with God. Don't miss the importance of that. Romans 5 verse 1 and 2 says, therefore, having been justified by faith, leave that up there just for a moment Terry. Therefore, having been justified by faith, you see those words, having been justified by faith. You know what that is? That sums up Romans 1 through 4, first four chapters. They were justified by faith. That's our salvation. How are we saved? For by Grace, are you saved through faith that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works. lest any man should boast having been justified by faith. Let's keep going with this here. We have, what is the fruit of this? What is the first impact of this saving grace? We have what? We have peace where? With With God. We have peace with God through our Lord, Jesus Christ back to the cross, the, the blood of his cross through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And what's the next word? Rejoice. Rejoice. Remember part of the meaning of grace is cause to rejoice. It's all right there. His grace, his grace. And as we trust, as we're persuaded in that grace, saving grace comes to us. And it's by that that we're able to stand in a place where we have peace with God. Now that... I'd rather be at peace with God than not. Amen. And the devil's always trying to make you think that there's no peace between you and God. Listen to me. Through what Jesus did, he made peace. Do you remember that? He made peace. He's the one who took the handwriting of ordinances out of the way. He took away your sins. He, he, we are justified. We're, we're declared righteous. We're declared as if we did not sin ever. By the grace of what Jesus did so that there could be peace or we could be reconciled with the father God. You've got to be careful. I fell off here last week. <laughs> How many of you came back to see if I'd do it again? That's. Oh, <laughs> eh, I hope you didn't get any candy. Sorry. <laughs> now, there's much to be said about peace with God. But let me let me say this. Once you have peace with God through salvation, if you've invited Jesus into your heart and your life, you are a child of God. And guess what you have? You have peace with God. Now watch this. Once you have peace with God, then you can start to be at peace with yourself. And as you continue to be at peace with yourself, then you can be at peace with others. Have you ever seen some folks that can't get along with anybody? Hurt people, hurt people. Scared people, scare people. And and I don't, I'm not afraid to say that in the service because they would never come second service. But um, no, but listen, there's some people can't get along with anybody, and they tell on themselves. We all tell on ourselves. And if you look, why can't they get along? Why can't they get along? I'll tell you why. They're not at peace with others because they're not at peace with themselves. And if you're not at peace with yourself, you're trying to still trying to handle all the grime and grunge and sin and poison and pain of sin and brokenness that Jesus came to take away. And if you're not at peace with yourself, it's because you're not at peace with God. And you know what? Jesus came, the Prince of Peace, to bring peace through the work of his cross, saving grace, so that you could have peace with God and watch the fruit that comes out of that. When you get peace with God, you realize the reason you have peace with God is because he came to address all those issues of why you're not at peace with yourself. And then you can be at peace with other people. That's a whole series in itself. We'll visit that another time. And then there is keeping. Keeping grace. It's a sustaining grace. And with this, we have peace from God and of God. And this is how we live, is this kind of peace. Follow with me here. This is God's love and God's favor and God's help and God's power from day to day to day. Help me jump in. From day to day. Remember I told you that the blood was the price and the pledge of peace. And this keeping keeping grace... It's the work of grace that helps you, not just on Tuesdays, not just every other month. I was talking to somebody this morning. I know they had a health condition. I said, how are you? And they said, they told me to come on Monday. So I went on Monday. And they said, uh, we'll do this test for you. And we only do that on Monday. He said, good, let's do it today. And they said, no, we got to have you come back next Monday. Okay, I'll come back next Monday. Then what? Well, then the doctor check it on the next Monday. And before before he's even going to know anything, he's got a month of Mondays. Aren't you glad that God is day by day by day by day by day by day? And I don't have to wait and schedule this thing. And he sustains us in that way. And you know what? We've got to have it day by day by day. We're living in a crazy world. No, you didn't hear me. We're living in a crazy world. There's so much uncertainty. There's so there's so many things going on on your street and all over the world and our nation and everywhere. There's crazy. I can't believe what some people do to other people. I can't believe the, the injustice and different things that are going on all over the world. And just when I thought I'd seen it all, yesterday I read an article. Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez are breaking up. Listen to me. Who cares? Who cares? Sorry if you're a fan of either one, but. But well, we're talking about grace. And I'm thankful that no matter what hits the news or hits your street or your mailbox or your answering machine or comes to you. That there's a keeping grace, a sustaining grace that keeps us day by day by day by day by day. Listen to this in John one I'll read it in three different translations. And of his fullness, we have all received and grace for Grace. Listen to it in the New Living. From His abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. Listen to it in the message. We all live off His generous bounty. Gift after gift after gift. That's the the sustaining, keeping grace of God. It's constant. It's constant. It's God's attitude towards us. He blesses His people with peace. It's the old hymn of the church. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. T'was grace that got us safe this far. And help me. And grace will lead us home. Grace will lead us home. Church, you've got to be persuaded of God's attitude towards you. You've got to be persuaded that His grace is enough. You've got to be persuaded that gift after gift after gift Day after day after day, there's a grace of God that will keep you, that will keep you, that will keep you. Let me read you one other verse. In Isaiah 26, verse 3. It says, you will keep him. That's God. God, you will keep him. That's me. That's you. In perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I'm going to ask them to leave that verse up there for a moment. Watch this now. You will keep him in perfect peace. In the Hebrew, it lands like this. You will keep him in shalom, shalom. You will keep him in peace, peace. And the structure of the language that's when those two words come intentionally back to back like that, you cannot knock it over. It's like one block will not be top heavy. The two blocks or might would be top heavy. The two blocks together, you cannot budge that. You will keep him in shalom, shalom. You will keep him in perfect peace. Follow this. Whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I think the best way to understand this verse is to read it backwards. Not in this sense. Because he trusts in you. Because he trusts in you. What does that mean? Because he trusts in you. Because I'm persuaded of your attitude toward me. Because I'm persuaded of your ability your willingness to help me, your ability to help me. Because he trusts in you, he will keep his mind what? Stayed on you. And as a result of that, he will keep us in shalom, shalom. He will keep us in peace, peace, a peace that can't be budged or tipped over. The pivot point, the hinge pin in all of this is that word stayed. Everybody say stayed. It has the idea of this, to touch upon, to lean upon, to grasp, to cling to, to hold. And the picture that comes to my mind is if I trust him, I'll keep my mind stayed. Remember that word, cling to him, hold on to him. The picture that comes to my mind is you're having to go through a crazy big crowd some sporting event, some kind of panic situation, whatever it would be. And you're having to walk your child through that. And we're the child. Yes. I said, we're the child. And what we do is we stay. We hold on. We hold on to dad's hand. We hold on to dad's pocket, dad's belt loop. We, we, we stay. We stay. So that we don't get lost in this crowd and in this chaos. Are you following me? We stay. The, the challenge is to stay. Have you ever lost your child in public or whatever? We used to, on occasion, lose one of our boys, especially. Usually in a store. They're hiding in clothes. We're calling security. We're interrogating people. We're, You know, I'm tackling folks. We're looking everywhere. And they're hiding in a rack of jeans and shirts. Hi. I'm so glad you are, but we're going to talk. But we don't want to get lost. He doesn't want us to get lost. Let me tell you where the battle is. The battle is in staying. The battle is in staying because you know what? There's news, there's problems, there's situations. And what does it do? It, It pulls you away to let go. But if you trust in him, you'll keep your mind. Everybody say my mind. And it's your frame of mind. You keep your mind and your frame of mind on him. And if you trust him, keep it stayed on him. You hear this news and what about that? And that happened and this might happen. And did you hear about this? And you get all those things. And what do we do? We get our mind off of him, our frame of mind off of him. And we start looking, everything's bad, isn't it? The whole world is going down the tubes. That's not a frame of mind that has the grace of God in view. Are you hearing me? And so what we've got to do because we trust in Him is keep our minds stayed on Him and He will keep us in peace. Peace. Amen? And that is that keeping keeping grace. Let me just wrap up with this. My assignment in this whole series is to call you to live in an awareness of God's grace and peace. Is to remind you of this. And to tell you point blank, and hear me on this, to tell you to stop Stop acting, stop living, stop thinking, stop talking like there's no grace and there's no peace. You need to correct that in your life. You need to correct that in how you live and how you think and how you talk, which is very important. Acting, thinking, talking like there is no grace and peace when in fact you are the object of God's grace. And you're the recipient of God's peace. And you have every reason to rejoice And because of his grace and because of his peace, you taste of his common grace. You taste of his saving grace if you're a child of God and you have peace with God. And you have the keeping, sustaining grace of God that gives you peace from God. That's day by day by day, thing after thing after thing, he sees you through. Next week, I'm going to bump in a little bit and talk about special or crisis grace. And what that does, because sometimes we have things in life that exceed all of this, but this is the bottom line. His grace is always enough. So if there's a bigger situation, there's a bigger grace that will handle this. We're in the middle of the series, so I can't finish everything, but I want to stop and finish by saying this and just echo from God's word to you today. Grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. Amen? Did you get anything at all out of this today?